so. Yeah. Man, you guys, ouch, ouch. Galatians chapter number five, and stand with me. Galatians 5, I just want to look at that one verse, verse 22. And I'm uh, going to talk to you tonight about this, this thought. And the thought is this, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Um, our society doesn't value meekness a whole lot. All you have to do is turn on social media and you'll figure that out pretty quickly. Um, Meekness is kind of something that we look at as, uh, oh, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's a sign of someone that is not confident, and they're insecure, and because they're insecure, they're kind of, listen, let me tell you this right now, uh, you, you can be shy and stinking full of pride, yeah. and the reason you're, you're shy is because you don't want to get out of your bubble and make yourself uncomfortable and talk to other people, you're not humble, you're proud. So meekness is not just, oh, someone's quiet and therefore they're meek. No, no, no. Or they're shy, therefore they're meek. No, that's not what it is. Meekness is strength. I want to show that to you tonight. Galatians chapter 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit being led of the Spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Next one in that line, look at verse 23. Meekness. Meekness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Man, it's been good already to hear the testimonies, have the singing time. Uh, and uh, I, I never, I never want to get to a place where I don't mention this. You guys coming on Wednesday night means more than you realize. Not just to me, but to your church family and to those neighbors that you've been witnessing to that are watching you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing. Uh, Brother Caleb, would you ask the Lord's blessing on it? Amen. Be seated if you would. Now, take your Bible. This is Bible study, so we're going to kind of go through a number of verses here. Right? Look at First Peter, or Second Peter, chapter one. Second Peter, chapter one. You're going to jump right into it. Let me just say this much: We used the illustration last week, I believe it was, about your life being like a garden, and the Lord trying to plant that seed in your life. And and when you got saved, let me say this: That's exactly what He did. He put the incorruptible seed of the Word of God in you. And when you received it with the right heart by faith, you were saved. Let me just say this. You could not make the seed in your life. God had to plant the seed in your life. A a, a lot of uh, uh, farmers and ranchers are going online and they're talking about uh, 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 all the property and the land that's being sold to foreign entities and how uh, uh, the farm-to-table experience may be a thing of the past and how they're talking about, you know, to to sustain life in the coming centuries, we've got to do lab-grown food. I'm like, I thought that's just McDonald's was already. I didn't know... (laughs) That we're going further into that, but but you know that's this this idea that that hey we're gonna we're gonna make this stuff up. Let me just say this right now: when it comes to salvation, you can't make it on your own. The seed had to be planted from the outside in. You couldn't do that. 
all right? But, but now that you are saved, all right, you, you couldn't save yourself, but now that you are saved, you have a, a bit of control over the elements and the environment in your garden. And if you're not taking care of that garden in your life, you will be unfruitful. Look at Second uh, Peter chapter uh, number 1. Uh, look, if you would, at verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, we learned about faith last week, so now we're moving on from that. We're talking about meekness, and there's some things you have to add in your life. It's kind of like a recipe, all right? You want to live the Christian life? Listen, you want to get saved? Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're saved. Done. All right? But you want to live the Christian life, if that's what you want to do, there's some things that you have to add, not to your salvation, but to your faith. And he says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and a brotherly kindness, charity, for if these things beware, all right, not just that you're acting a certain way, but they're in you, all right, they're coming out from the inside, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren, nor what, unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, that means you can't look in the future the right way, and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, meaning you're not looking at your past the right way, you're not looking at your future the right way. Why? Because you're not adding to your faith. You stay an infant Christian for the rest of your life. That is not what God desires for you. And and listen, I I, I mean this sincerely, America, as much gospel as has been preached here, you know what America suffers of? Spiritual babies all over the place. And you know who I blame for that? Not, Not the people, the preachers. Because the preachers are more interested in making sure people come back and give more money and come back and they're happy and give more money. And all the programs for the kids just make them happy and make them, make them happy and make them happy and they'll, get, they'll give money. And no one's learning anything. <laughs> you need to add to your faith. God wants that for you so that you what? So that you bear fruit. Let me say this. One of the first things that God says to man, Genesis chapter 1, he says, be what? Fruitful and multiply. All right. Now, now it's, it's amazing. That's that's God's design. Now, now, obviously, I know you're you're taking for you're looking at me going, well, you're just saying because you have six kids. That's not what I mean by this. I don't, I don't mean physically, but I mean spiritually. All right. Now that you are his child, you know, what he's saying to you, be fruitful and multiply yet. Yeah, tell others about Jesus Christ. Be a witness. Open your mouth. Testify. Lead others to him. But let me just say this right now. Uh, a, a lot of modern Christianity has said this for generations. I don't like being a witness because I don't have the gift of evangelism. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to live it in front of them. And we go, well, that's not right. You've got to open your mouth. Then we got Bible-believing Christians, us. We're going to tell everybody they're going to hell and how they need to get saved. But we're not patient. And we're not charitable. And, and, and we're not gracious. And when it comes to the subject of meekness, which is part of what should be your Christian character, we don't have the right perception, so we kind of stay away from it. I don't want to be meek because then people will run over me. That is not biblical at all. Meekness is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. We're going to explore that uh, together. Look at Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter 1. Midweek Bible what? All right, so we want you to see the verses that talk about bearing fruit as a Christian. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 9, rather. Colossians 1, verse number 9. For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to to desire that you might be filled 
with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being what? Fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. Again, I know we're going through a lot of verses. I understand that. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13. And, and let me explain what's going on in Matthew 13. The Lord's giving a parable, and it's a parable of the sower and the seed. And, and let, let me just say this much. As a, as a believer, the Lord is constantly trying to put the right things in your life. It's not, if there's a, a, a failure for the right things to be there and for you to bear fruit, it, we cannot blame God. The Lord is constantly striving to sow that seed. That's why we tell people when they get saved, listen, as much as you can get in your Bible, get in your Bible. As much as you can get around other Christians, get around other Christians. As much as you can get into church, when the doors are open, get into church. Why? God will sow more seed into your life that way. All right? The Lord is going to do his part. The question is, what is the ground in which it will fall in? Uh, Look at Matthew 13. Look, if you would, at verse number 3, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse number 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell among stony, uh, upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. They are shallow. Do you see that? Those are in the stony places, there, there's not depthness of earth, and so the seed falls on the top, but it doesn't go all the way in, and it's not producing anything. In other words, I'm showing up, but man, I'm not getting anything. That's not God's fault. That's because of a hard heart. That's why he calls it stony places. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number uh, six. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other, other. You know why I think it's called other? Because it's rare. It's something else. Uh, other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Can I just say this? That's what I want. I want fruit in my life. Man, I, I know some, some seasons are thirtyfold, some seasons are, uh, seasons are sixtyfold, some seasons are hundredfold, but God, I don't want to live the rest of my Christian life not bearing any fruit. I want something. Listen, I've taken up space. I've used God's air. I've taken his son. I, I, I've eaten his food. I've drinking his water. I want something to show for the 40, 50, 60 years that God gives me on this planet besides I ate food and I died. I, there, there should be something beyond the I, I consumed stuff and then I was dead. God wants us to bear fruit. Now, the question is this. What kind of ground is he going to fall in? You say, what is this ground a picture of? Look at verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. You have to understand this. The devil is very active in church. Probably more active at church than he is at a bar. You know why? Because he's already got them for the most part. He wants your attention. He wants your mind. And he wants your heart. And so the word is put out, but because of where the heart is at, the wicked one, the Bible says, cometh and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. All right, look at verse 20. But he that received the seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, that's a Bible word that means immediately, with joy receiveth it, 
Yet hath he not root. This is an emotional person that goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do all that. I'm going to do all that. And, and you know what the real issue is? They're not consistent. They haven't been grounded. And so they get excited about it. And when there's trouble, they're gone. And he goes, look, I don't want you there either. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, number 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world, the gas prices, monkey pox, COVID round 47 and a half, the economy, you know, uh, the war going on in Russia. I mean, look, look, your mind is constantly bombarded with reasons to be afraid. And he says this, he also receives seed among the thorns. He that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh what? You don't want that. But he that receives seed of the good ground is he that heareth the word and un- understandeth it, which also beareth fruit. Listen, it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to understand it. You know why he says understand it? He does something with what he's hearing. And because he understands it, he puts it into action and he bears fruit, bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. You say, what are you getting at? Look, look the, the steps for bearing fruit are this. Number one, you got to get exposure to the seed. Let me ask you, what are you listening to when you're driving your commute? All right, what do you do at night when you're tired? Uh, uh, what do you do first thing in the morning? What do you grab first thing in the morning? How much of the seed are you taking in? All right, now, now look, I, I will tell you right now, it's a blessing that there are some of you that have gotten saved, and you're at church every time the doors are open. I thank God for that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you ate three times a week, you would starve to death. You, you need to eat spiritually more often than that. You go, well, preacher, we're going to get to meekness, aren't we? We're going to get there, all right? But we're talking about getting grounded in the Word so that you can have the right perception of what meekness is biblically. If your authority for defining meekness is your experience, you'll be off. If your authority for defining meekness is, is, is your, your understanding of the world, you might be off. But if your authority for understanding meekness is the Word of God, then you're going to get somewhere with God. You'll have his eyes, his perception on that. All right, so we're talking about taking in the word. Exposure to the seed. Number two, preparation for the seed. Let me ask you a question. How much preparation do you, do, do you put in a Sunday morning and Wednesday night? Some of you are like, well, I'm dressed and I'm here. <laughs> I, I get that. I'm thankful for that. I mean that. But, but how much prayer goes into God? I want to get everything you want from me. God, I want my eyes open. Lord, I've been kind of spiritually slumbering, kind of spiritually asleep, and, and I'm just kind of going through the motions. God, I, wake me up. God, would you, would you speak to me? To, how much preparation are you? Listen, if I got up here and I said, uh, whew, just uh, let's pick a spot. Who wants, to, who, who, who wants to study Galatians? Anybody? Any, guys, I mean, that is, you would look at me and go, hey, you're not doing your job. Can I say this? If you're a child of God and you come to church and you come in here after filling your mind with garbage and choking the word of God all week long and then plopping your backside down and hoping that God speaks to you without prayer or any preparation, you're off. And then you walk out and go, it's just not like it used to be. You're not putting into it what you used to. You know, people say all the time, I just fell out of love with my spouse. You know what that means? You don't date them anymore. You don't, you, don't, you don't romance them anymore. And when it comes to your relationship with God, it's no different. You've got to put time into this. Preparation for the seed. Thirdly, acceptance of that seed. Well, I don't like it. doesn't matter. 
in a little bit, we're going to experience Olivia sitting in a high chair, and I'm sure at one point we're going to go, and she can go, right? And then we're going to be in training session mode, right? And, and, and you go, what are you going to do? You're going to open her mouth and say, no, I won't do that, but we will come to an understanding. We will. And she will know that when the spoon is out, especially if daddy goes with the airplane, you know, that it's time to open up the hangar. All right, now listen, not everything that you hear at church and not everything in that book is going to be something you like. If it was, it would be written by sinful, wicked men like you and me. It's a holy Bible. It's holy. It's different. It's pure. It's written by God. And therefore, it's going to have a slant on things that we don't always like. So, so yes, I, I need to, I need to ex- expose myself to the seed. I need to prepare myself for it. But I also need to go, ah, Right here. You know, even when I don't like the flavor. Oh, man, I remember when, even when Ariana was little, she loved bananas. She loved banana, puree bananas, you know. She would eat that all day long. And there were certain times it was like green beans, like. <laughs> and just dribbles out of her mouth. I'm like, I don't think that's how that's going to work. You know what some Christians do on Sunday and on Wednesday night? <laughs> just walk out spiritually. You should have worn a bib spiritually, all right? <laughs> Catch some of that and eat it later. You know what I'm trying to get at? You, you need to accept the word of God, even when you don't like it. Now, listen, I don't know how it works in your house. It may be very different, and I'm not judging. I'm just telling you how it works in mine. When a kid says, I don't like that, it's the last time they say it. I have to literally go, do you like that? You know why? Because they know not just go, I don't like that. You, you say what? Because someone made it. Someone made it for you. You know what God's doing? He's giving you something, and you don't always like it. Spit it up. And you have the freedom to do that, but I'm going to tell you right now, you, then when things aren't going the way they should in your life, going, yeah. be, you know why? Because you started to, all the authority in this book where God says, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith, well, that's just his opinion. Well, I don't know. Maybe it was just written by man. Well, I just think, well, I just, I don't know. You know what that is? That's your, you have a problem with biblical authority. And when it's put in your mouth, you're like, you know why? Here's what I learned about when Christians get that way. It's usually because you want to justify eating the wrong stuff. Man, I tell you what. There are times where I just, I, I look at the food that's, you know, on these gut cleanses. And I look at the food that's, you know, on these, uh, these uh, four-week type, you know, cleaning your health and clean your gut out type things. And I go, Lord, why doesn't any of it taste good? Can't, can't you, Lord, could you make, I mean, the, listen, didn't God rain manna down from heaven? Can't he make a donut that's healthy? I mean, I think he could. <laughs> if he really wanted to, he could. We haven't found it yet, right? So, so you know what I'm getting at is accept the seed. Fourthly, let me say this, that there, there's growth of that seed that goes into fruit. Now, out in our garden right now, we got these flowers that are starting to bud, and, and you look at those flowers, and, and, and what they turn into, it's really neat, especially with those uh, zucchini and with the squash. That, that, that flower that blossoms is really letting you know, I'm about to put something out. What, the, the, the flower is not the substance. The flower is not the fruit. But the flower is the, uh, it's, it's, it's what's letting you know something is coming. All right? It, it's letting you know, hey, something good is about to come your way. But you know what you have to do? You have to be patient and let it do its thing in time. 
So you know what God does? God goes, look, I'm going to take the weeds out of the way. I'm going to put this right stuff in there, and it's up to you what you do from here. But, but I'll tell you what, if you take that seed in and you prepare the ground and you allow God to do his work, man, you know what starts happening? Man, th- th- there's that flower of that smile. There's the flower of the right response to the people around you. There's that, and it's not all the fruit that God wants to get out, but it's just letting everyone know, man, God is working here. I hope he's working in your life. Can, can I say this? Meekness, again, is not weakness. You need it to be a servant. You need it in relationships. Can I say this? You need it in marriage. Meekness, by definition, let me, let me give this to you, is softness of temper, mildness, gentleness, forbearance under injuries and provocations. In an evangelical sense, that means biblical, humility, resignation, submission to the divine will without murmuring or peevishness. You may not know what that means, but it doesn't sound good, does it? Right? Opposed to pride, arrogance, and refractoriness. You got to know what that means. Do you understand what the opposite of pride is? It's humility. And meekness is, is someone that has the ability. Listen, there's nothing great and powerful about someone, you know, this guy's size, uh, knocking around someone that guy's size. You say, what is that? That's foolishness. It's unbridled and uncontrolled power. It's, I'm here and I'm in charge and you better do it. And you say, what is that? That's not humility. When Jesus shows up, he doesn't say, everybody, bow down and worship me. I'm the son of God. It was the devil trying to convince him to make everyone else tell, to tell everybody else, hey, I'm the son of God, worship me. That was the temptation there on that mountain. Meekness is controlled strength. It's not lashing out when you want to. It's seeing yourself as a servant. You know what meekness says? I could do this, but I won't. I have the liberty, but I'm not going to use it as an occasion to my flesh. Come with me to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians 5. You know why a lot of marriages suffer? Lack of meekness. You know why churches are divided? Lack of meekness. I've had a lot of preachers tell me, man, when you get into a building program, you get to learn all kinds of different sides of people. And everyone wants, they have, listen, can I just say this? When we get into a building program, this is not your house. It's not mine either, but it's not your house. It's not a, okay, I'm leaving the church if we don't pick this property. I'm leaving the church if we don't buy this color carpet. That is is carnal and foolish, and it's a lack of meekness. It's not about any one of us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason that churches have those issues and the reason your family struggles sometimes and the reason the marriage suffers and the reason why you can't keep a job sometimes is because you're not meek. And everything that's wrong is everybody else's fault. And there's a continual lashing out at society, at, at, at the parent, at the man or whatever and to say, man, it's this part. You know what meekness d- does? Meekness says, I'm wrong. I can grow. I can learn. You know what? I've learned this even in business. I've learned that the people that just can't seem to get ahead, you know one of the biggest problems is? You can't teach them anything. They got all the answers. And you start talking, oh, I did that. 
I love it when I talk to someone, you know, they bring a problem, they go, I need some counsel. I go, okay, well, talk to me. And they talk and I go, well, you need to, well, I did that. And I said, well, explain that to me. And you know what they really mean by that? For 45 years, I did it the devil's way. I tried it the Bible's way for a week and I'm tired of it. And I don't know why it's not working. Let me, let me say this, guys. The Lord wants to bring the fruit of meekness out in your life. It was planted inside of you. Listen to me. It was planted inside of you when you got saved. Because at least in that moment, there was a moment of meekness long enough for you to say, I'm a sinner. And I don't deserve God's love. And I don't deserve God's mercy. And I deserve punishment that's coming my way. I deserve to perish, as the Bible says, but he loved me enough to die for me. And, and I recognize who I am in light of who he is. That is meekness. Meekness is recognizing who you are in light of God. And when you do that, it affects how you deal with other people. L- look at Ephesians chapter number five. Here's some good instruction on ju- just some good, plain old instruction on living the Christian life. Ephesians uh, chapter number five. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 14. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. We got a lot of Lazaruses in church these days. You know, just kind of spiritually asleep, spiritually dead. And arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly. You know what that means? All right? A circumference is the area of a circle. All right? So circumspectly is... I'm looking at this problem. You know what? With your help, God, and your discernment, I'm going to walk around it. Maybe if the last 40 years of my life, the way I responded to this thing was with anger, with pride, and it's never been worked out in my favor, and all this has got me further in the flesh, God, would you help me work around that? God, would you help me walk around that? God, would you change? Uh, you know what? For the last 20 years, I, I've known Christians that have been saved for 20 years. You know what they do? They come to church. They sit down by themselves or maybe with their, their beloved or whoever, and they don't talk to anybody. You know why? Well, I'm just shy. No, you don't want to get out and talk to people. And it's not meekness. It's you staking your spot going, I don't want to be uncomfortable. What will they think of me? You know what that's called biblically? That's called pride. When you care more about what other people think than doing what God's told you to do, oh, God didn't tell me to go, you're telling me, you've been saved 20 years and God's not telling you to talk to anybody in your church? You know what that is? It's a lack of meekness because you don't have the right perception of who you are because you don't see God for who he is. You know who you are? You know who I am? I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Uh, look, Look at Ephesians 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 14 again. Verse 14 says this, Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, verse 15, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Anybody here feel like they lost a lot of time in the world? All right, it's your time to make up for it. All right, uh, I remember when I was in uh, basketball or football practice, uh, anytime, you know, the coach would go, hey, we're going to go, we're going to take this lap really easy. And you're like, yeah, this is great. And then you get over there and you're almost done. He goes, now double time. Why? Because I let you go easy the last one. Come on, man. He's, and you know what he would say? You've got to make up for that lost time. That stuck with me. Uh, and, and so, listen, you should redeem the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You want to know God's will for your life? Here's how you do it. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the what? Spirit. Can, can I give you this thought? 
the, con- the, the, the contrast of being drunk is you're out of control. Being filled with the Spirit, you're in control. So do you know what meekness is? It's strength under control. It's God's strength working through you under control. It's the character of Jesus Christ lived out in your life. Go, if you would, with me to Colossians chapter 3. Again, I know lots of verses tonight, uh, but can I say this? Number one, I got three points. I might have a poem. We'll be done. We'll go home. All right. Uh, But uh, point number one is this relationship requires meekness. You want to have good relationships? You want to have good marriage? You want to get to know the brethren? You want to have good fellowship with them? You want to get closer to your church family? Uh, You want to have a good relationship with people at work so that you can have a chance to witness to them? Listen, I've got news for you. You can't just go with your Bible and your tracts and be a jerk. And I'm saying anyone here does this, but be a jerk and be moody and and, and not responsive in a team meeting when you have those and and kind of be secluded to yourself and then show up one day with the Bible and try to go, here, 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 here. You need to connect with people. And one of the ways to do that is, is to have the right spirit about you and meekness is required. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, look if you would, at verse number 12. Colossians 3 verse 12. Not as though I'd already attained or either were already perfect. That's Philippians. That's great, but that ain't it. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, I'll get there. All right, verse 12. But put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness. Look at this. Humbleness of what? And right after that comes meekness. And right after that comes long-suffering. Forgiving. Forgiving. Let me say it again. Forgiving. You know why you won't let go of some things? Because you're not meek. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I mean that. The reason why some of you won't let go of certain things is because you have made yourself to be the idol in your life. You've made yourself God, and how dare they have done this to me? How dare they have said this to me? How dare they have treated me this way? All the meanwhile, forgetting the plethora, to use Javen's word, of sins that you committed against a holy and righteous God, that when you go to him, he goes, forgiven. Forgiven. And you start going, God, you remember what I did? And God's like, no, it's under the blood. I don't know what you're talking about. You say, what, what, is, what, what allows a believer to be able to have the right spirit of forgiveness? Meekness. Forgiving one another and forgi- forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Amen. Amen. You, know, you know what someone said up here? It's hard. You know what? It is hard. It is hard. You know what will make it a little bit easier? Remembering what God did for you. And remembering your position in light of who God is and going, God, how dare I hold this vault of unforgiveness, this safe that I keep hidden in my life, and I open it only on special occasions when I want to throw a zinger at my spouse. When the Christian that did me wrong crosses my path, and I just got that, and I open that thing up, and I go, you did. Can I say this? When you do that, do you know what you're doing? You're doing the devil's job for him. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. You, whenever you fall into that, you say, what is it? It's a lack of meekness. Jesus says this, and by the way, uh, who here wants to get married someday? Raise your hand if you want to get married someday to someone of the opposite sex. 
Okay, that's a good thing. Raise your hand. All right. All right. Do you know what it's going to take? Meekness. Do you, ask the adults in here. When the marriage isn't working like it should, is there ever a moment where you can look at it and go, you know what part of the problem is? A lack of meekness. Do you realize that oftentimes, and I believe this sincerely, it's a complete lack of self-awareness for the spirit and the mentality that you have towards God and others that leads you to not have the right relationships with other people. And the root word there is meekness. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I prayed about this, and it just, it just kept feeling like the Lord just wanted to go, you need to go over these verses. I'm like, God, these are a lot of verses. And the Lord's like, yes, they are, and that's why you call it Bible study. <laughs> so we're going to go through uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, I'm going to just say right up front, it's not a popular passage. Okay? In 2022, any of you ladies, <laughs> some of you ladies know your Bible, you're like, mm-hmm. in 2022, this is not popular. All right? Uh, but can I say this? Most of what's popular makes God throw up. Yes. That which is highly esteemed among men is, a, is an abomination in the sight of God. First Peter chapter 3, and, and again, we're not giving these verses because we're trying to win a popularity contest as much as we are trying to drive home the point that for the proper relationships to be in place, there must be meekness. You cannot walk around always thinking about you. You cannot walk in your marriage. You can't just think about you. People all the time go, I, I, you know, I'm having a problem with my marriage. I, I don't know how, do, how to deal with this. And, and, and you go, okay, well, tell me what marriage is about. Well, I thought it was about finding the right person. No, it's about being the right person. It's not about finding the right person. It's about you being the right person. Look, look, it's finding the right person until you got married. Then you found them. But you're like, where's the return policy? I don't think this is the right one. Let me ask you a question. How much time are you focusing on you being the right person for them? Let me ask you this about, and this is a problem. People go to marriage because they watch either Hallmark or they watch on the other far extreme wicked, evil things. You understand what I'm talking about? And so they go to marriage with this selfish idea of you exist to make me happy. And marriage is ministry, which means it's service, which means you need to be meek in order to get ahead in your relationship. You say, well, they don't respond the right way. Can I tell you this? If they don't, they will answer to God for that. But you're responsible for you. And every time my wife's not meek, I just remind her of that. (laughs) Amen, Brother Craig, amen. That was your husband, Miss Juanita. I want you to know that. Hey, can I I give you a couple areas of meekness that will help you in your relationships? Meekness of mind. Meekness of mood. Meekness of mouth. I don't know, it was Mike Tyson. I think it was Mike Tyson. I mean, Mike Tyson's a funny guy. <laughs> they asked him one time, he got in a fight and he's all hurt. And he's like, what's wrong? It's my back. He's like, what, what's wrong? My back's broken. Uh, that's a funny guy, man. Uh, you know what he said? He said, the internet's made it to where people say a bunch of stupid things and they think they can get away with it because they're not getting punched in the mouth. Meekness of mouth will go a long way. First Peter chapter 3, look at verse number 1. I, I know it's not popular, but for talk, since we're on that subject, having church on the side of a bank may not be popular. Right? Hey, hey listen, the Bible itself is not here to be popular. It's here to be truth. Yeah. 
First Peter chapter 3, look if you would at verse number 1. Likewise. Now, why is he saying likewise? You go to the chapter before, he's talking about biblical authority and some being submitted to God. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of, their wi- of the wives. While they behold your chaste, that's holy, that's pure, conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of putting the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting, or of putting on of apparel. In other words, this is not so much about you being the fashionista on the outside. And by the way, sometimes what's fashionable is not modest. You may want to consider that, ladies, especially because you got young girls watching your example. I know it's not popular. You're, you're welcome. Have a nice day. All right? But, but you know what? I, I tell you what, I've got a, I got a 10-year-old daughter that looks up to the ladies in this church. Keep that in mind. Okay, speaking of unpopular things, let's move on. Verse 4. <laughs> but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a what? Meek and quiet spirit. Gentlemen, can I give you a little bit of advice? If you're ever in a crowd and there's a girl that has to be the center of attention all the time, even when she marries you, it won't be enough. She'll still want to be the center of attention with some other guy. And she'll always go after that. Now, I'm not picking on you ladies. I'm trying to get a thought across. And ladies, let me throw this to you as well. If you've got a guy that constantly has to have attention from girls and constantly is looking for that, even though he's supposed to be with you, you've got a problem with a lack of meekness. There's not the right heart. There's not the right mindset about the relationship. And he says there's something of great price with a a meek and quiet spirit. Look what he says here, which is in the sight of God. It may not be on the cover of Vogue and GQ, but in the sight of God, meekness is of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy, oh, this is old fashioned. Yeah, but it works. In the old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Now, I don't want to go off here and go off on a tangent, but I I think we've gone over this before. I'm going to say it again. Subjection and submission is not a sign of weakness as much as it is controlled strength. I could rebel. I choose not to because I'm not just doing this for my husband. I'm doing this for God. You see? And, and kids, when, you're, when you don't like what your parents do or what your parents say, I'm not talking about them asking you to do something that's wicked or, or anything like that, but simply you don't like it and you still submit and you still subject. Can I say this? You do that, and when you do it the right way, it's because you've got a spirit of meekness about you that says, you know what, I don't like this, but I'm submitted not just to them, but to God. Amen. And you will not be fit to lead until you can learn that. 1 Kings chapter 12, go with me there. 1 Kings chapter 12. You know what meekness says? I could yell right now, but I won't. I could retaliate right now, but I'm not going to. I could take vengeance, but I'm going to pray. I could be the center of attention but I don't need to be. 1 Kings chapter 12. Look if you would at verse... You know, this affects a lot more than you realize. I've been in church a long time, and I can tell you, I've watched people that you would never think would leave church, and they got their feathers ruffled because someone, the preacher asked someone else to do something that they thought they should be doing, and they stormed out, and they said, well, that's... Hey, did you even ask the preacher... 
Now, before I give the illustration, I don't have this problem, so don't, oh, who hears? No one's doing that, but I've watched it happen. Did you even, or was it just an automatic assumption in your mind that you're the best at it, and so you should be asked? You see the problem? There's a lack of humility. There's a lack of meekness. First Kings 12, I'm going to try to give you this story very quickly. See, what's going on here? Well, King Solomon's son has a chance to take the kingdom and to take the throne, and he's given two pieces of, of advice. And look, if you would, at verse 6, And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a... Underline this. If thou wilt be a what? You want to lead? Be a servant. You want to, you want to, you want to be chief? Jesus says, He that is chief is servant of all. If you'll be a servant unto them. Unto the people this day will serve them and answer them and speak good uh, good words to them. Then they will be... Look at that. You serve, they serve you. What an amazing concept. You know why marriages fall apart? Right there. You know why churches fall apart? Right there. Do you know, do you know why you're, you're, some of your friendships, Christian friendships, fall, that right there. Well, I, 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 they're not serving me. Are you serving Think, don't think of what they're doing for you. Think of how you can serve them. <laughs> Verse 8, but <laughs> he didn't listen. I heard an old preacher one time say, uh, a young preacher got up and said, man, I just feel like I mentioned this before, and I, I mentioned it again last week, and then someone came up to me, and they, they told me, you know, preacher, I'd never heard that before. What's the deal? And the old preacher goes, eh, they never listen. <laughs> He's just trying to give an illustration of the fact that, listen, you know, the, the, the real issue is this. Sometimes you get advice you don't like, you don't want to listen. He got good advice. He didn't listen. So what did he do? Look at verse 10. The young men that were grown up with him spake, saying, thou shalt, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people. This speaking, he's saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thou shalt, thus shalt, shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins, and now, whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise. If you're running for office, this is not what you do. <laughs> right? You say, what is it? Well, I'm in power and they can't stop me. Look, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I've seen pastors treat church people that way. It's wrong. Makes you want to throw up my mouth. I'm here to serve you. God, God brought me here to do that. I've seen men talk to their wives and their children that way. It's wrong. I've seen wives yell at their husbands publicly in church. You know what the problem is? Meekness. There's a lack of stillness in your life, and you're taking it out on everyone around you. A.W. Tozer said this, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and as helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels in himself nothing. 
In God, everything, and that is his motto. That's a meek person. Paul said this, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Do you remember the story of Saul, King Saul, and, and, and he had been beaten by the Philistines, and now he's going to go back and beat them up? And here's what he says. He goes, All you folks that are on my team, you're on my team, right? Yeah, King Saul, we're with you. Israel, here we are. All right, if you're on my side, we aren't resting until we kill those guys. That sounds good until you're about a day or so into it. Then he goes, no one eats until they're killed. So now you get an army that's following you into maybe what could be their death. And on top of that, they're not eating. You know why? Because of Saul's ego. You're not going to eat until I'm happy. What? Parents, if you're not careful, you could raise a kid like that. You know why? Because for Saul, it was all about him. Do you know what the people did once they got to a place where they, had, they found animals? I mean, they're kind of like the kids in the Willy Wonka thing where they lose their mind. They go, ah, they start eating all the chocolate and all that. They went and they, they, they killed the, the cattle right there on the spot, and they ate it with blood, forbidden under the law. You know why they did that? Because Saul was so convinced that that battle was all about him. And it wasn't. It's supposed to be about God. See, what's the problem? Uh, We may call it in modern language, lack of self-awareness. Someone invites you to something, and you show up 30 minutes late, and you don't care about it. You know what that might be? Hey, we all, hey, Puerto Rican, I like being 10 minutes late everywhere, okay? (laughs) All right? Stylishly late if I can be. I'm just saying, sometimes, you know what that is? It's a lack of forethought of anyone else. It's lack of meekness. Can I say this secondly? Repentance requires meekness. You know what? When John the Baptist shows up, his first word is not, welcome to New Heights Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Uh, I hope you got your gift on the way in. There's a visitor card in there. If you don't mind filling that out and putting that offering plate. And by the way, when that plate comes by, we don't want you to put anything in there but that card. We're just glad that you're here. You know, he said, repent. You know what's missing from modern Christianity today? Repentance. The idea that there should be sorrow over sin. Repentance requires meekness. You know, when Saul's put on the spot, look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. One time the preacher came to Saul and said, hey, buddy, you messed up. And uh, it looks on the surface at first like Saul like repented, but you're going to find out he, did, he didn't. Real repentance requires meekness. You know what fake repentance is? Ah, you caught me. Okay, since you caught me. Okay, here we go. I guess I got to tell you. Real repentance is... Uh, I'm wrong. Now, now, look at 1 Samuel 15. Look, if you would, at verse 24. Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. So what's wrong with that? Just, just keep reading. For I have transgressed the command of the Lord. That sounds good. And thy words. Preacher, I didn't listen to you. That sounds good. Because I feared the people. Yeah, that's true. And obeyed their voice. Well, I don't know. Therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. 
And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, Saul laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. he ripped his clothes. You know what he's saying? Don't leave. Don't make me look bad in front of the people. You know what the problem was? Lack of meekness. It was a show. Now compare that to David. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. You said, oh, preacher David really messed up. Yep, he did. Preached a message a number of years ago called the making of a royal disaster, looking at the life of David when he messes up with Bathsheba. He messed up. He did. But, but I will tell you this much about David. This is why God loved him. Because when he's put on the spot and there's a moment of the opportunity to repent, he didn't blame the people. He didn't go, well, the people, the people, the people. That was Saul. I would be the voice of the people, and the people thought it would be a good idea, and, and, and Brother Jose told me that, you know, and, 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 and Miss, Miss Cindy told me I should, and, you know, really, I think if you think about it, it's kind of their fault because I took their advice. That was what Saul did. Now look at David after he messes up. Commits adultery. Commits murder. Two sins under the law for which there was no sacrifice. Death was the penalty. Look what happens here when the prophet, the preacher, comes to David. This man, this preacher's name is Nathan. Look if you were to 2 Samuel chapter 12, look at verse number 7. And Nathan said to David, you say, what just happened? He just told him a great story. He says, one guy's got all this sheep, you know, and one guy's only got one. Uh-huh. Well, the guy that had all the sheep had a visitor come visit him. Uh-huh. And instead of taking one of his sheep, he took the only sheep this other guy had. And David's like, <gasps> kill that man. That man deserves to die. And Nathan goes, thou art the man. Look at verse 7. Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king of Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master of wise into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. And he goes on, he just lays into him. Look at David's response. Verse 13. He doesn't mention, you know what? Um, you know what some jack wagon probably would say these days? Well, why was she up on the roof naked? I've heard preachers preach about Bathsheba. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, like, no, I, I get modesty and all that, but you know what? She was taken for granted that the men were gone because that's the time when kings go forth to battle. He's not in the right place to begin with, but there he, he sees that one. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't go, well, it's her fault. She shouldn't have been there. He says this, I have sinned against the Lord. Plus Nothing. Nobody else's fault. It's not my kids got me upset. I had a bad day at work. It's my wife that's nagging at me. None of that. I sin against God. You say, what's the difference? Meekness. Meekness. That prodigal son, you know what he says? I have sinned against heaven and against thee. Repentance requires meekness. Relationships require meekness. Can I give you this in closing? Go to Galatians chapter number 6. Restoration requires meekness. Restoration requires meekness. I, I bought an old truck for a couple hundred bucks from my neighbor a couple years back. And I intend to restore it. After 
you know, all the surgeries and babies being born and additions to the house and weddings and probably funerals mine after that. Um, I intend to restore that truck. Um, It's going to take some attention. It won't restore by itself. Do you understand this? If you're saved, God has given you a ministry. Josh, God's given you a ministry. Sonia, God's given you a ministry. All right? Jennifer, God's given you a ministry. All right? Miss Cindy, God's given you a ministry. Lacey, God's given you a ministry. Brother James, God's given you a ministry. Brother Steon, God's given you a ministry. And maybe it's not to preach behind the pulpit, but you have the ministry, as the Bible says, the ministry of reconciliation. You have the opportunity to reconcile lost sinners to God. And you have the opportunity to reconcile wayward children of God back to God. You know what that requires? A mentality of ministry which says, I'm here to help restore. Do you know what that takes? Meekness. Look at Galatians chapter 6. The entire book of Galatians is about uh, brethren that had been seduced into wrong doctrine. Brethren that had been uh, uh, under the impression that they had to go back under the law in order to be saved. And look what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 6. In verse number one, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Now, I don't I don't mean this to be funny, but seriously, who here wants to be spiritual? I do. I don't want to be carnal for the rest of my Christian life. If you want to be spiritual, raise your hand. It's not a trick question. If you sincerely desire. okay, you know what, then then listen to this verse. Ye which are spiritual. What's the next word? Restore such an one in the spirit of considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Do you know what he's saying there? When someone is messed up and gone off the cliff and made a mess of their life, don't stand there and go, I'd never do that. You're setting yourself up for failure. You know what the world is filled with? Christians that said, I would never do that, and they're out there. The Bible says in Corinthians, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to have meekness to help others. You ever notice there are certain people, I call it frustrated ambition. They just want people to listen to them so bad, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, and then no one listens to them. Some politicians are that way too. And you you can just tell they're frustrated because no one pays attention to me. It's because you're not meek. Because when you're filled with you and filled with pride, that's a repellent against what most people don't want that. They already have enough of that inside of them. You know what's going to help them? Some meekness. Hey, brother, how you doing? I'm struggling. I struggle too. Let's pray. Hey, brother, what's going on? Well, I messed up. You did? You're an idiot. How <laughs> long have you been in this church, man? Didn't you know that was wrong? Listen, there, there may be a time for a rebuke, but not every time is a time for a rebuke. I would say more times than not, it, it takes a gentle and meek approach. Do you realize that Paul says we nourished and cherished you? The root word of nourish is nurse. We took care of you like this, like, like kid gloves. You know, handle the kitty gloves? You know what most people need, especially when they first get saved? That. I don't need you to raise your hand. But if you've ever messed up after you've gotten saved and you went back to something you knew you weren't supposed to be in, more than likely there's a bunch of guilt on you 
And when you go and you have enough intestinal fortitude to go, brother, so-and-so, I messed up. And they go, guess what, brother? You can confess it. You can get under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can move on. That just does something for you. I'm going to give you this thought. I'll wrap up. At the end of Paul's life, he says this. He says, bring John Mark, for he is profitable unto me for the ministry. Who's John Mark? He's the guy that ran off when they were doing missionary work. And you know what Paul said when that happened? I don't want that guy around. Now look, I don't believe, I believe Paul's a good man, but I don't believe he's the fourth member of the Trinity. So there's a chance that maybe Paul didn't always handle everything perfectly, okay? And you can argue there's been, you know, theological debates. No, he was right. Here's what I can tell you. At the end of Paul's life, he's saying, bring the guy that I said I didn't want to have around. Why? Well, he's profitable. Yeah, but how do you get pro- how do you go from being a loser spiritually to being profitable? Someone named Barnabas took John Mark under his wing after he messed up. You can argue whether Barnabas was right or wrong with Paul, but someone took John Mark under his wing so that at the end of Paul's life, he's calling for the very guy he didn't want around anymore. You know what that took? Meekness. If you want to be a restorer, if you want to take that 1972 Chevy C10 and make it run, you want to hear that thing purr again? Spiritually speaking in your life, do you know what it's going to take? A little bit of meekness. The Bible says that God resists the proud but he giveth grace unto the humble. Jesus Christ, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He opened not his mouth. Listen to me very carefully and we'll close. He said this, let there be light. There was light. You believe the Bible? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without him was nothing made that was made. That's Jesus. Okay, so he's the one that said, let there be light. There was light. And there he is standing in front of mortal men, his own creation, and they're smacking him around. He could have opened his mouth and they would have just fallen right back. You know he did? Smack. Rip that beard out. Jam that crown of thorns on his head. The blood just rolling down. You going to say anything, preacher? You had a lot to say back then. You're the Messiah, huh? You're the deliverer, huh? You're the Savior, huh? Why don't you open your mouth now? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's strength. It's not weakness. That's strength under control. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. God, we thank you for the example of Jesus Christ himself. Lord, would you help us to be more like him? God, uh, I I recently saw a hat that said, lions, not sheep, and I I know what they meant by it. But God, we're all sheep. (laughs) We're all a mess. Lord, sometimes, Lord, we try to We try to bite to show our strength, Lord. We 
who basically do everything that you didn't do to show yours. God, would you help us? Lord, you, you planted that seed of meekness in us the moment we got saved. Would you help us, Lord, to obstruct the things in the garden that are keeping it from bearing that fruit outwardly? Lord, would you please, if I didn't get anything else across to your people tonight, would you, would you show them meekness is not weakness, Lord. It is, it is your strength. Lord, it, it's, it's your strength working through us under control. And Lord, I know that you, you give us the example of being drunk versus being filled with the Spirit for a reason. Or being filled with that spirit, Lord, it, it, it helps us to, to remember who you are so that we can remember who we are, so that we can respond to life and the people around us the right way. God, would you help us, Lord, when the pride starts to rise up? And Lord, when that happens, the, the quenching and the grieving of the spirit takes place. Would you help us to pump the brakes at that moment of time and just say, God, I know who you are. I know who I am. Lord, let me respond the right way. Parents, you have all the authority to lead your children. Lead well. Husbands, you have the authority to lead your family. Lead well. Lead with meekness. Ladies, I hope you didn't feel I was getting on you. I'm not. I love you. I appreciate you. But you're seeing an example in the world, you ladies in particular, where if a woman is meek, automatically the assumption is she's a, she's a rug that's getting stepped on. And we don't, that, the Bible is not for that. that. That husband biblically is to honor and to esteem and to treat his wife as a delicate flower and to protect her and to provide for her and to, to love her and to be willing to die for her. But, but, but ladies, can I say this? Everything in the world out there is the exact opposite of what we just talked about. A meek and quiet spirit is not what the world portrays for you. But that's what the Bible says. He was oppressed he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Say, what is that? That's someone that could have opened his mouth, could have called those angels and wiped out those people that were afflicting him in that moment. But he looked beyond that moment, and he saw me and he saw you and he saw Eric and he saw Carlos and he saw brother James and he saw brother Logan and he saw brother Sean and he saw Miss Florence and he saw Jennifer. he he looked at across the vastness of time and he said okay in this moment how I want to respond is this but how I need to respond so that I can reach them is this so he opened it out of his mouth I don't know, what's the Lord telling you? Maybe it's, maybe it's going back to what the kids got at camp. Maybe it's, 
hey, you need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I'm embarrassed. That's not meekness, that's pride. Meekness says, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm probably going to mess this up. But here we go. And Lord, speak through me and help me. (laughs) That's meekness. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer together. Hope you got some out of the word of God tonight. And uh, a lot of scripture, I realize that sometimes it can kind of get, you kind of get lost in that. I hope you didn't get there tonight. I hope you kind of stuck with us. But I'll, I'll tell you this. Meekness is something that we all need a little bit more of in our lives. If you want to make a difference, listen to me, you got to be different. And the longer the world goes in the direction they're going and it's all about me, look at me, notice me, I'm important, I'm number one, you're number two, why aren't you meeting my needs? And the Lord says, that's backwards. You're here to serve. Amen? Let's be dismissed in the word of prayer. And thank you for coming out tonight. We hope to see you Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Sunday school for us adults, junior church for the kids downstairs. Uh, Brother Sean Bowie, if you dismiss us in a word of prayer, sir.